0: You're listening to the Option Alpha Podcast from OptionAlpha.com, where we show you how to make smarter trades, learn how the stock market really works, and generate consistent monthly income. Monthly income. Now, your host and head trader at OptionAlpha.com, Kirk Duplessis.
1: Hey everyone, this is Kirk here again from OptionAlpha.com, working every week to make this the most popular podcast offered in iTunes because it's based on one thing and one thing only and that's helping you make smarter trades. So Thanks so much for tuning in today and we've got an awesome interview with Kim who is one of the guys behind SteadyOptions.com and what's so great about this podcast and reaching out to new traders and especially guys like Kim is that when I reached out to Kim and I've never talked to him before. I, I don't know him. We're, we're not old colleagues or friends, although we're beginning to start a relationship and friendship from doing this interview. But I reached out to Kim and said, "Hey, I'm I'm interested in you know talking to you and help sharing your story online and on the website and the podcast about how you trade options and and how you make money." Because although we do a lot of the same things, there's some things that we do a little bit different, which is fine because it gives people a different perspective on how to make money in this business there's not one way to do it and hopefully that's what I'm trying to get across by interviewing a bunch of different traders out there who I respect and look up to and so what's great about Kim is that he was all for it loved it which is different than a lot of other reactions that I've gotten from other people and I'll be honest in saying that as I've reached out to more and more people in this business and and some people who are who have some pretty big names and some pretty big followings, they're frankly afraid to come on this podcast just to talk about their strategy and i think it's just a little bit different and odd that maybe you know they don't want to come on to you know a podcast from a, a website that technically is competing against them but at the same time i don't really care if you guys come to my website or kim's or somebody else's website all i want to do is help engage and educate everyone on on how to make money in this business whether it's how i make money or how he makes money that's the whole purpose of what we're doing here so I think it's a really good interview. Kim is originally from Russia and now trades in Canada. He's been doing it for over 10 years, so he's got a lot of different perspective on how to do things. I think it's going to be really helpful for some of the new traders out there and also some people who are a little bit more advanced on how he does things with earnings trades. So, Without further ado, let's get on the call right now with Kim. All right, so we have Kim on the phone. Hey, Kim, thanks so much for joining us today.
2: Hello, Kirk. Thank you for having me. No problem.
1: Well listen, you've been in this business for a long time as I told everyone in the intro and you've been doing it for over 10 years and so I think what's really cool about what you do is that you've got a completely – not a completely different but a lot of different perspectives on how you trade and again why I want to bring guys like you on the show is that you have experience doing it for a long time and yet you might have you know, different ways of going about it. But we're all trying to make money in this business so that's why we're doing it. So. Let's start off and uh, maybe you could share with everyone just a little bit about your background and what you did maybe before trading and how you got into trading and kind of what that progression looked like.
2: Well, my background is actually software development. I was in software development for over 20 years. And when I started to, uh, to trade options, stock and options, actually around 2003, and in 2003, I started with uh, mostly stocks. And I made uh, a good money for a few years. And then, you know, like I say, don't confuse brands with bull market. Because as we know, from 2003 up to 2008, it was pretty strong uh, bull market. And in 2008, I had the pretty what we call uh, heart-awakening because I lost a big amount of money in 2008. Right. Uh, Because, you know, I was a little bit too bullish, I was a little bit uh, too leveraged, uh, like many people, maybe a little bit too naive. And then in 2008, I decided that if I want to stay in this business, well, it wasn't a business yet, it was like a hobby, uh, but I have to give it a little bit more thought and a little bit, you know, to invest more effort and commitment in this business. And then I started to read more books, uh, to, uh, to, to take some uh, webinars and to take it more seriously. And uh, this is when I started to trade options almost exclusively. Right. Almost exclusively. I mean, before that, it was a mix of stocks and options. And then it started with options only right and so, I, came, I, I came a long way I mean a lot a lot of strategies right uh, so when you got
1: started with trading options and you because I think that that's where you know a lot of people you know don't just start trading options right They go through that progression of trading stocks and then a little bit of options and then maybe eventually they they turn over all the way to options so. For you, what were the types of strategies that you were trading kind of as you were doing both? And and has that ever changed as you've gone completely to options trading?
2: Well, I started mostly directional. And uh, you know, like probably most of the people. And then uh, I realized that uh, to be successful in directional, it's a little bit too difficult because you, Need to get too many things right I mean you get the you have to get the direction right you have to get the timing you have to get the, the size of the move and when I, I realized it's not exactly for me and then I switched to non-directional so with non-directional I started like probably most of the people with iron condors and then I had some good success, and then, you know, like most people, you have a few good months, and then one good month, one bad month, pretty much raises a lot of uh, good months. So, again, it was a process when I started to put more emphasis into risk management, you know, to think more about how not to lose than how to win. And I think too many people concentrate too much about how to win and not how to lose, and how to lose, it's like, how not to lose, it's actually more important. Right. No, if-
1: I, yeah, I totally agree. And I think, and that's such a key point is because I think, uh, and I agree with you 100%, is that when people get into this, they see the other side of the business, which which is, is more prominent when, you know, other websites and services are trying to promote is, you know, here's how much you can make on trades, but it's much more about managing your risk first and then taking care of profits than it is, you know, trying to hit that home run, you know, again and again and again.
2: Exactly. Because many, many websites actually tell you, OK, we made 100 percent, 200 percent, but they don't tell you how how much they lose. And what many people uh, forget is that the uh, losses and the uh, wins are not exactly symmetrical, because if you lose 50 percent, you need 100 percent just to get back to even so it's not symmetrical and if you have many uh, big losers you also don't uh, you cannot uh, allocate uh, a big portion of your portfolio to options because your account will be gone very quickly after a few big losers right
1: right exactly
2: so, so when, we, process, when we yeah
1: when on. we talk about so just kind of maybe shifting gears now so you've gone through that progression you started you know, making directional trades and, and eventually ended up, you know, kind of non-directional. Uh, maybe you could share with everyone kind of what your overall trading plan is, you know, for for options now. So what does that look like as far as what types of strategies and setups and things like that? Can you kind of walk through what you guys look for?
2: Right. So at the point that I realized that, the okay, non-directional trading is nice, And iron condors can make money for some extended period of time, but then lose in one bad month. So I realized that iron condors alone is not enough, and uh, I switched to what I call now a mix of strategies, mix of non-directional strategies that actually should balance each other uh, in terms of the Greeks. So right now, my trading plan includes actually a mix of iron condors, straddles, strangles, and calendars. So, uh, they kind of mix and balance each other because, for example, when uh, markets are more or less uh, uh, not moving a lot, iron condors and calendars will do the best, obviously. But when you have a big move, then straddles will do the best. Now, straddles...
1: yeah, you're talking about are you talking about doing short straddles or are you talking about doing long straddles? Just to no, clarify yeah.
2: for everyone. Yeah, long long straddles. Okay. Long straddles because if I trade iron condors and calendars, those strategies are gamma negative. They don't they benefit from market not moving, but they will be hurt if the markets are move. If the markets move. So I want something to balance them and for this I need strategy which is gamma uh, positive which is straddles and strangles gotcha uh, when i am talking about straddles and struggles it's not just straddles on uh, indexes or like in general but it's something very specific and uh, by specific i mean straddles on stocks that are expected to report earnings
1: okay so that's a, and that's a different concept and i do want to get to that a little bit because i know You guys have a different take on that, um, which I think is interesting for everyone to hear. But getting back to the decision to, to do the mix, and I think the mix is is such a good thing, and it's kind of something that we've heard here on the podcast as we've interviewed more people. Is that you know having a mix, whether it's a mix of strategies, you know, three to four or five to six, whatever it is, is is kind of a good thing for most successful traders. When it comes to selecting which one to use, how do you select? You know which strategy to go with because i think most people uh that are having trouble with strategy selection you know they see a good setup but they just don't know you know which strategy to go after so what are some maybe guidelines that you could help people on as far as selecting which strategy to go with
2: so for iron condors, for example i limit myself mostly to indexes right like spx and Rat. And for calendars, it's also a mix of indices or maybe index uh, ETFs like uh, SPY. But it's also calendars on the stocks that uh, also report earnings. And for straddles, it's also uh, we select, uh, uh, we have a list of uh, stocks that work uh, the best for straddles before earnings. And this is mostly based on uh, backtesting. We do a lot of backtesting and we just uh, uh, trying to decide which uh, stocks are suitable for different strategies. Again, based on backtesting. So we take, for example, a specific stock and we try, let's say, to see how would it perform last cycle entering, let's say, a week before earnings or two weeks before earnings. And we do the same for several cycles and then we decide if uh, this stock is suitable for for straddle or strangle. If it's not, we're actually doing the opposite, we're doing the calendar. So that means if straddle are losing money consistently, that means that doing the opposite, which which is actually shorting the the short-term straddle and doing long-term straddle, which is basically calendar, then this strategy of calendar will perform better. So we have a list of stocks that uh, perform best for calendars, and another list of stocks that uh, perform the best for straddles. Again, based based on uh, backtesting. Right
1: now, list- when you're when you're looking at backtesting, maybe maybe just a little bit deeper on kind of digging in here. But what are you what are you looking for specifically? Are you looking at implied volatility kind of heading into earnings, or is there some other setup with maybe technicals that you're looking at? But what determines if a stock goes in the category of doing the strangles or doing the, the calendars and iron condors?
2: Well, when you buy straddle, it's actually always a fight between uh, uh, theta and Vega. Because we know that uh, if you buy straddle, uh, let's say, a week before earnings, Implied volatility will always go up heading into earnings. But the question but there is also negative theta. So there is always a question who will, who will win. If uh, implied volatility will rise enough to uh, offset the theta, or it will not. So for some stocks, there is a clear pattern that implied volatility usually offsets the theta, and that makes a straddle a winner, or it's not. So for stocks that have a clear pattern of uh, implied volatility of setting theta most of the cycles, we choose straddle because straddle again based on the uh, previous cycles, it shows us that we have an edge to uh, to trade uh, straddle. Right and now, this- I think
1: it's so cool that you that you said that because because I rarely hear people talk about this and, and this is this is why I love doing this show and bringing on people, but. What you said there was so key, and, and some people might have missed it, but what you said with straddles is that if you are doing a long straddle, you know, kind of heading into earnings, it's definitely about the differential between how much, you know, increase in implied volatility is there going to be versus how much you're losing per day in theta decay. Exactly. And again, I don't hear a lot of people talk about that because that's such a key point, and it's too, too often people get into that type of trade. And they just assume, hey, implied volatility rises, this position's gonna make money, and you gotta factor that in. So I think that that's a really, really key point there.
2: Right. It's, so, not, it's not automatic. I mean, you have to understand that each stock behaves differently, and it's not. It wouldn't be right to say automatically that it will make money.
1: Yep. And it's, I think the key is, you know, each stock has a personality. You know, things move in a, you know, in kind of. You get to know personalities of stocks, which is important. So now, when it comes to holding period, I know that you guys had said before, uh, and I think I I read somewhere on your site that you guys have an average holding period for some of these trades. I don't know if it's these trades or some of the other trades, but about 12 days. So, Can you kind of walk through your thought process on how long you hold trades um, and how you enter them?
2: Yes, 12 days, uh, I think it refers to all trades, not only straddles. Okay. So, for iron condors, for example, an average holding time would be longer. It's usually between four and five weeks. So, 12 days is an average of all uh, strategies. For straddles, I would say it's probably shorter. It's around five to seven days. Uh, but again, it's an average. Some stocks will be better to enter two days before earnings, other stocks will be better to enter maybe 10 days before earnings. And this is, again, this is backtesting. This is the power of backtesting. We actually have a guy on our website that has a program that he developed and he's doing extensive backtesting with charts and, you know, you can see exactly how each stock behaves. So you can see for specific stock, the best time to enter is five days. For another stock is maybe 10 days or two days. So another thing to consider is that actually those trades can make money from both Vega and Gamma, which means that it's not only implied volatility, but also if the stock moves, it can also make money. Well, we consider it more as a bonus because we don't know in advance if the stock will move or not. But some stocks tend to move more before earnings than other stocks. And this is also one of uh, the factors that we consider before entering. entering, If a stock, a specific stock, has a tendency to move before earnings or not. Right now, with a bonus, but it's you know it increases. Probability of success.
1: Right. Now with your earnings trades, kind of, you know, going through those a little bit more specific, it's so you're you're getting, you know, a closer a closer duration on the trade, meaning you're you're getting closer to earnings and, and whether that's five days or you know, ten days before earnings, what does the exit look like? Because if you're trying to profit from an increase in volatility, when do you guys decide to pull the trigger and exit the trade or, or how is that decision made?
2: Well, first of all, we will always exit before earnings. Because if we are holding through earnings, this is a completely different strategy, completely different story. I mean, this is, it can be done sometimes, but it's much more risky. Because if the stock doesn't move after earnings, then collapse in implied volatility can make it a, a big loser. So we will always exit before earnings are announced. And uh, uh, personally, I have uh, a profit target of about 10 to 15% uh, on this strategy. It depends of course on overall environment. If uh, the overall environment is uh, more volatile and the uh, stocks move more, then I might increase the profit target a little bit. But usually when I have between 10 and 15% I will exit. And if I don't reach my profit target, then I will exit anyway before earnings. So that's again, nice. such
1: a key point too that you know we we're starting to hear more and more from people who are successful is that you've got to have kind of that line in the sand or that target that says you know what even though and especially with the straddle or strang, you know strangles when they're long I mean these are strategies that theoretically have unlimited potential, but you're only looking for, you know, your 10 to 15%. As soon as you hit that, you're being diligent about closing the position and banking the profit, right?
2: Right. And this is, again, this is based on backtesting because we know that uh, many times uh, in past we have reached this uh, target of, uh, let's say, 15%. And we didn't exit and it came back into 5% or break even or sometimes even a loser. So this is again, it based on the backtesting that we decided that this is more or less the range that uh, is reasonable to exit. I mean, sometimes you can get more, but this is, it, it doesn't happen a lot. And more times than not, you can just lose this profit and not uh, if, if you don't exit.
1: And two quick questions just kind of sticking to this point real quick before we um, get into the closing bell here and, and talk about a trade. When it comes to to adjustments, how do you make adjustments or do you make adjustments, I guess would be another question too, with some of these trades heading into earnings. So if, say for example, if you, you're doing a straddle you know expecting a move up in implied volatility and or a move in the stock and you don't quite get both is there any type of adjustment that you would make to prepare yourself a little bit better or reduce risk what does that look like
2: yes we usually uh, try to be as delta possible as delta neutral as possible so if we stock trading let's say at $100 i would enter a 100 strike straddle and if a stock moves then I might uh, adjust again to to stay delta neutral, which means that if the stock moves, let's say from a hundred dollars to hundred and five, I will adjust by uh, rolling the calls from hundred to hundred and ten strike, and this allows me first of all to lock some of the gains, and second still remain delta neutral, because if I don't do it and the stock uh, retreats back to, to the strike, then I might lose some of the gains. Of course, there is another side of the coin also, because if the stock continues in the same direction, I would be better by not rolling. But on the other hand, I, 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 I'm not trying to, to predict where the stock will go. I'm just trying to stay delta neutral and not to, to predict the direction. So to stay delta neutral, usually
1: I would roll. And again, such a a good point because you're. I think what you're doing here is you're taking your emotion out of it and not trying to you know be emotional and and yeah. hopeful or fearful, and just saying you know what if it moves to a certain point that I've predetermined, I'm going to make an adjustment to the trade because that's what I do. Right. I think that that's a that's a great point. So. Um, all right, so as we get into last question on this, with regard to position size, because sometimes a lot of these straddles can be pretty expensive as far as the debits that they cost to get into, what are some of the guidelines that you kind of use for how big of a position to trade? Because there's going to be a lot of earnings, so if you're going to take advantage of a lot of these, what does your position size look like with regard to these types of trades?
2: Well, basically, the whole trading plan that uh, I told you before, mix of strategies, I'm usually trying to, to, to have about uh, six positions at, at, at each time, because I think that managing more of the six positions becomes a little bit uh, difficult. So, each position, I'm allocating 10% of my portfolio, which means that I'm usually up to six, 60% invested and 40% in cash which do i you ever go
1: over that will you right. ever go over that 60% threshold
2: sometimes i will do if i have if i see really good opportunities i mean right now for example it's first month of uh, earning seasons and there is a lot of opportunities so uh, during first month i sometimes will have maybe seven positions so maybe up to 70 75% but that's it usually no more, Uh, but most of the time I will have around six positions, five to six positions, and uh, 10% allocation to each position. And I think this is the key. This is actually uh, the position sizing is probably one of the most, if not most important thing, because if you think about it, if I have a a risk of, uh, let's say 20% in each trade, because, you know, I can say to myself whether mental or heart is uh, stop loss about this 20%. And if I'm, I allocate only 10% per position, that means 2% loss per whole portfolio. And 2% loss, even if I have uh, 5 or 6 losses in a row, which happened. I mean, whoever tells you that he doesn't have, never had uh, 5 or 6 uh, losses in a row, I think he maybe hasn't been in this business for long enough, but with even with five or six losses in a row, if you lose only 2% per trade, you can still survive it. But if you allocate much more and have much higher losses with five, six losses in a row, you can lose 40, 50% of your portfolio, and from that kind of loss, it's, Kind of uh, difficult to to recover.
1: I agree. I think that when you look at at people who who, you know, say that they've had, you know, twenty months of winning, they just haven't been in the business, you know, as long as me and you yeah. have. So I agree. But but yeah, position size is a is a huge sticking point, and and it's good to see what other people are doing with position size. And and we had um, another trader on uh, who's also from Canada as well, and he. You know, worked a full-time job and and did trading, and he, you know, kind of had the same mentality as you about you know having a smaller number of positions, maybe five or six, uh, but you know, really closely watching those and and keeping tight stops, you know, that kind of fit his style. So as we uh, get into the closing bell here, let's talk about maybe one of the trades that you had recently. So let's get in the closing bell. Let's talk about one of the trades you had recently. If you can't. Or if you can, just kind of walk through maybe like a setup and a particular stock and, and how you went about you know choosing that strategy and stuff like that.
0: Now, the closing bell. Find out which stocks we're looking at right now, trades we're making, and hear our game plan moving forward. Right. Okay,
2: okay so... One of the li- latest uh, trades that we closed was the uh, Nike trade NKE, and we did a straddle of uh, the stock. And we entered uh, on uh, December 8th. Earnings was on uh, December 18th, so it was 10 days before earnings. Again, based on backtesting, we actually decided that this is kind of the best time to enter. And uh, we waited uh, patiently before uh, entering because we wanted to enter at a certain price. And when the straddle reached that certain price, when we entered, it was a 97.5 straddle. It was a $4.3, which was applying a 4.4 a, a move, post earnings move. So we entered uh, this trade, when the stock uh, moved, we made uh, some adjustments and I believe three days later we exited when it reached uh, our profit target of uh, it was 13%. So we made basically 13% in uh, four days and this is I believe kind of more or less typical typical straddle trade. That we are in a trade between four and six days, we may we make between ten and fifteen percent. And again, if you think about it, that might not sound very very you know like a big win. But if you can make ten percent in five holding days, and repeat it time after time, it will take you very far
1: key there is that your your capital usage is is low, right? You're only putting your capital at risk for, for five or ten days and then you're you know trying to get into a trade. I mean I love I love the idea of doing the earnings trades and um and I believe we actually traded it on the opposite side of that of that trade after earnings, you know, playing that implied volatility crush. But but yeah I mean that was one where I'm looking at the chart now and implied volatility in Nike kind of around the time that you guys entered the trade was about 25% ran up to about 33% or 34% implied volatility. So, so it did see a good little move up in implied volatility um, and then after earnings was crushed down to about 15. So,
2: uh, yep. I mean,
1: it definitely runs the full gamut there and it just and this is again what is so cool about about doing this podcast and interviewing people is that, you know, my the style that I have it would be the opposite, not the opposite side, but taking the other direction of the trade and kind of waiting for that implied volatility event and that crush. And you have a different, uh, uh, you know, perspective on how you do it, and and it's great to see, you know, kind of what the setup you're looking for and your profit targets and things like that. So, that's really good to to go through an actual trade, you know, that you made just recently, and that's great. And so, thank you so much for doing that. So, as we kind of you know wrap up here uh, with our interview, maybe you could give everyone. I like to always start to ask people, you know, as people are starting out, and even even those people who are completely. Uh, or who have been in the business a while, but just don't find success. So not only you know, people who are new, but maybe traders who have been doing this for a couple of years now and just don't find success. What are maybe one or two things that you could tell them as far as some of your best advice getting started in options trading?
2: Well, I think the most important thing is that you have to treat options trading as a business. I mean, it sounds maybe a little bit bombastic, but this is very true. Because, you know, people, many people eh, enter this business and they think that eh, within a short period of time they can just leave their jobs and start to live from options trading. And this is not true. I mean, if you think about it, an engineer has to study for years then to do some practice till he's even allowed to, to build bridges or whatever. With doctors, it's seven years and another couple years of practice. So why with options trading, it would be different? Only because uh, it's so easy to enter? I mean, you have to understand that it requires practice, it requires time commitment, it requires effort, it requires you need to have the commitment you have to need to have a determination and not to give up and you have to have a uh, realistic expectations I mean it's not I too often get emails from people that say okay you know what I'm new to trading and I have uh, put the uh, capital of uh, $10,000 aside, uh, do you think I can double it uh, every year? So I say to new people if you just start to trade options, your goal in the first year should be not to lose money. That's it, have realistic expectations. If you didn't lose money in your first year, take it in small steps. Second year, make a goal of, I don't know, 10%, 20%. Don't think that after just a few months, you can start making 50 or 100% or double your account or whatever. It requires time, it requires commitment, and this is the most important thing to remember.
1: You know, I've actually never heard anybody say it that way, is that, you know, when you're a doctor or an engineer, but it's so true now, kind of thinking back on it. I mean, you've got to, you know, go through so much parochial studies before you're, you know, given the keys basically to, you know, build a bridge or a a building. And and it's got to be the same way in, in options trading. And I think one of the things I tell people, and I'll I'll just say again, is that you've gotta be persistent and consistent in how you go about, you know, building yourself in this business, staying persistent and doing the right things, but also staying consistent and meaning that consistency happens over time. It doesn't happen overnight or even a couple months. I mean it's it's built on many, many years. So I think those are two key, key points. So Kim, thanks so much for joining us today. If people have more questions or want to reach you, they can reach you at steadyoptions.com. But what other? Uh, where are you else? Where are you also active? Are you active on Twitter, or can they email you? What's the best way to get in contact with you?
2: Yeah, well, basically, if you go to my website steadyoptions.com, you can see all the information. There is an email on website info at steadyoptions.com. There is Twitter, which is steady options. Uh, there is uh, Facebook. I'm mostly active on Twitter. But again, email is a very good uh, way to reach me. And there is a lot of information of the uh, website. If you go to the blog, there are a lot of uh, articles that are pretty educational. And we have some open area on our website on uh, on the forum which is also open to non-members also has some good discussions about brokers about the uh, trading in general uh, that's it pretty much
1: then again i'll put a link to all of that in the show notes so if you guys are listening out there Just go to optionalpha.com and check out the show notes for, for this podcast with Kim. So again, Kim, thanks so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it,
2: and we'll be in touch soon. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for
0: listening to the Option Alpha podcast. If you liked what you heard, please drop by iTunes and leave a rating or comment. Plus, you can get everything. Free email updates for future shows, transcripts, video tutorials, case studies, and more. Just visit our website at optionalpha.com.
1: All right, so I truly hope that you guys enjoyed today's show and interview with Kim and got at least one thing out of it that you can apply right now to make you a smarter, smarter, more profitable trader and investor. As always, you can find additional show comments, any mention links, or videos that we talked about today by going to optionalpha.com/show22. Again, that's optionalpha.com/show22. Just the number 22. And until next time, happy trading.